Hi, Mark. Hey, Kevin. We're back. What do we call this show? <laughs> help is not on the way. This is help is not on the way. That's right. Ah, we haven't We're, done this in a while. It's been a while. And it's uh, me, Kevin Bauman, and you. Mark Dustin. Yeah. And we have some pretty good ones today, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got one about a uh, kind of like a mysterious disease that uh, was around for hundreds of years before anyone figured out what it was. That sounds cool. I have one about a um, sort of a, a well, not an unknown, rec- very but very very reclusive billionaire uh, uh, that I think is deserves a telling at this stage. Reclusive billionaire. That's that usually ends up being a good story at some point. We're all, we're always. We're always po- poking the billionaires over That's here right. <laughs> on our shows. Between our two it's one shows, of our favorite topics, our right? Show, <laughs> yeah. Are we recording? But yeah, we might as well poke a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> Got to stick one in there at some point. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I guess I can get started. Sure, that sounds good. I, it, this this kind of starts with, um, you know, uh, in the uh, in the Rhine Valley, which which is now Germany. Yeah, Germany. Uh, in 857 AD. So, you know, kind of a long time a while ago. Back, yeah, yeah, a while back. Uh, there was an outbreak of gangrene, convulsions, and death. Everything. Like, it was the... I mean, times are bad. Now. Times were times were tough. But back then, like, everything happened all the time. Do you, do you think they were like, oh, again? Again? <laughs> right. like, like, we just went through COVID, which is right. terrible, by the way. Terrible. But, I mean, the, the bubonic plague... Whatever the heck is you're there, you're talking about right now. This yeah. stuff happened all the time. Imagine if we like, just wrapped up COVID and then it was like, oh, here's you know, like nobody could fix anything. No, back then. Well, and and so interestingly enough, it caused a lot of burning sensation, mm. and they believed it was a punishment from God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they called it holy fire. Oh yeah yeah okay. yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. um a cool name for a band. Yeah. Hmm. Yes, there probably is one called Holy Fire. If there is, there will be after this. <laughs> That's right. Podcast. All our list, all our twelve-year-old listeners. Are I'm registering start. that before this is released. Dot by the com. way, right? Yeah, HolyFire.com. <laughs> I'm guarantee that's gone. That's worth a lot of money. Uh, there were many epidemics that followed, with thousands dying, and sadly, it was often children mm. and the feeble that were most, you know, susceptible. They, you know, even though like 857 AD is kind of like the first recorded of the Holy Fire, there was mentions in texts as far back as 600 BC in the oh, Middle wow. East of, okay. of people dying and suffering from these same kinds of symptoms. Um, and, you know, of course, then, you know, I mean, they, they probably legitimately believe this was a punishment from God sure. for, for whatever. Well, they didn't know germs yet. They didn't really understand. No. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, we we've talked about germs and how long that took to figure out. Right. The, the creepy crawlies were what was getting you. Yeah. Um, in 1039, there was another outbreak that occurred in France, and this time there was a hospital built to care for the sick, uh, and it was dedicated to Saint Anthony, the patron saint for the recovery of lost items. Interesting. That's yeah. a thing. That's a saint. Yeah, apparently. I mean, <laughs> so, when, so when you lose, you can't find your keys or your phone, <laughs> you need to pray to St. Anthony, okay? I'm going to pray to the saint of like, my dish, like, some, would someone please do my dishes? Right. That's the that's the saint. I don't know the patron saint of dirty dishes. Please clean my house. <laughs> the, the disease then became known as St. Anthony's fire. 
Now that so Saint Elmo's Fire, which of course we was was like a movie of our generation, right? It must have been a pickup on Saint Anthony's Fire. Yeah, I think it was. It was probably an STD though in Saint Elmo's (laughs) Fire. (laughs) Saint Elmo's (laughs) Fire was an STD. (laughs) Definitely eighties movie. Totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rob Lowe. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, the monks of the Order of St. Anthony opened more than 370 hospitals just to deal with this. Um, And the hospitals were painted red. So That's a lot of hospitals. That's a lot of hospitals. How many hospitals did we build for COVID? None. Yeah. We just had like the trucks, freezer trucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had freezer trucks. Yeah, the Chinese built ones in like two hours or something, right? Yeah, (laughs) they did. Yeah. (laughs) Where are they now? Where are those hotels? I mean, hospitals now. I, they're hotels now. I think they're still shutting down whole cities in China for COVID. Yeah, 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 it's not good. Uh, so yeah, they painted them red so the illiterate could could figure out that this is where they could go for help with their pain and suffering. And it sounds like they it, it did help. Mm-hmm. However, when they left, they generally started to suffer the same things oh, right. again. Just came right back. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So there was something about like going there and leaving there huh. that impacted. And and at the time they probably weren't collecting that much data to say like, oh, like at, these are all the, the, the changes in sort of lifestyle and other things and what they're doing. And right. So this is why. I, I'm assuming they were like holy monks close to God. They just thought yeah. they were, you were closer to God. Yeah, probably. probably. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then they left and they went back to being heathens. And, and praying like where, yeah. crazy, hoping that this would get rid of their thing because it was, in theory, the, the connection to God that did it. Right. And, and, and although the medical records were lacking during the Middle Ages, it appears the plague of holy fire continued through the 8th and 9th centuries in the kingdom of the Franks. What records there are show hundreds of epi- epidemics occurred between 900 and 1300. So that's 400, yeah, 400 years, right? Epidemics. 400 years. Yeah. Uh, the area that is now France was often the center of uh, severe outbreaks. And in fact, in 944, 40,000 people died Jeez. from holy fire God. or St. Anthony's fire, whatever they were calling it at that point. Um. And, and it and nobody had a clue, you know, they were, you'll be shocked, Mark, to know that this was not God's punishment. Wait, wait. All right. No, no. I'm going to come to terms with that. By the end of the show, I'm going to come to terms with that. <laughs> You're already disappointed, right? Yeah, I'm already, I'm already feeling, you've already shaken the foundation of my belief system, Kevin. It didn't take long. I know. That's what I do. <laughs> Pretty much your job. Right. Shake Mark's. Shake Mark Foundation. <laughs> All Foundation. All right. There was a, a doctor. Um, I, I I listened to how it's pr- pronounced this time. I was trying to get it right because, you know, I always mess this up. I've always got it wrong. And yeah, I've, yeah. I've learned uh, that everything I've ever uh, used as a topic here, I had the wrong pronunciation. <laughs> I can't pronounce it even after listening to it. The, the, at least the French version of it. It's Dr. Toulier. Toulier. But it was like when you listen to a French person say it, it's like Toulier. It's just much more. It's just a slur of words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A slur of letters blurred together. But it's T H U I L L I E R. So okay. Toulier. That sounds about right. We'll go with that. He had seen hundreds of cases of holy fire because, you know, I mean, he's a doctor and it well, was yeah. happening all the time, mm-hmm. apparently. But he noticed some some things that were 
may be different from the people who would get it and who didn't mm. that other people apparently had not really been paying attention to. And maybe, maybe there had been people, but he, you know, he had access to Instagram and Facebook, you know, <laughs> yeah, to like yeah, get yeah. his word out there. To get the truth. Yes. Get, to get the, the truth, truth out. The yeah. truth, true information. Unfortunately, he probably didn't capitalize on that and the detractors did probably were and they were like no that. no fake well, news because if it's anything but god then that's shaking yes their belief the belief system well, of the people who think that the hell of fire is raining down on the on the sinful right and i think you've got something there mark aye, aye. because as you'll find out people didn't really believe him we haven't changed much <laughs> no we, i mean let's just go out of brass tacks here <laughs> we haven't changed Does, we think we've changed we've got microphones now Hey, look, I have a computer right in front of me. This was a little depressing, Mark. To, to, to I, I talked about this a long time ago, and I think I even mentioned it on Are We Recording? But to read it again, you're just like, oh, we are just the same idiots we've always been. You're just hand we in just, the fire. Right. Just like, just, will the fire burn? You know, now, I don't know if the fire will burn my, my, burn my grandfather's hand, but... You know, right. I'm young, I'm the young generation, I'm the new generation, I'll stick my hand in the fire and it won't burn. If a scientist was to say, hey, you know, kids die of, I don't know, what do kids die of? Cancer, car wrecks, whatever. Yeah. And they're like, hey, I have an easy solution. Half the population would go, I don't believe you. Half I'm that, not going to do it. You can't tell me what to do. Keeping in mind, a massive part of that ha- that population is currently being kept alive by science, right. <laughs> no, by some sort of like, you know, like heart pill or, you know, uh, diabetes medication or it's X, Y, Z, whatever the heck this science, by the way, is already keeping you alive. So let's maybe like at least consider it a possibility moving forward that it might be right about this too. Well, if you were to mention, you were to talk about like say quantum physics, quantum mechanics, you know, the, the same people that deny everything would go, that's a bunch of BS. But, you know, the theories that are based on that are the only things that allow us to have televisions, radios, right. computers, cell phones. So all the things that we use every day are based on those theories, but it would still be considered nonsense. To be fair, back then, medical science is probably killing you. <laughs> that's true. Well, <laughs> they're bleaching, and, they're still bleaching you. Yes. They're probably bleeding you. And because of that, mm-hmm. this is that's a part of what leads him to to kind of discover uh or at least posit what is the cause of this because okay. he knows that medicine can cause harm. Okay. So what he finds is that um the holy fire is not prevalent in urban areas, but it is prevalent in rural areas. That's interesting. He also, so he starts, he also notices that an entire family can be fine, but one person is sick. Hmm. A person that's so isolated. Not contagious in the same yes, way. it's not contagious. Right, yeah. he, he finds that people who are isolated from other people also don't have it. Let's get, or or do have this it. This guy's way ahead of his time. Yes. Dr. T- oh, yeah, yeah. I did, that, I did that to you. Right. Oh, why, sorry, why do you have to do that? Time, right. Of the doctor. How about if we just go with the doctor? The French doctor. The French doctor. <laughs> he, the, you know, they, so it's not, it's not the sanitary or unsanitary conditions. It's not the population density. You know, uh, people who are um, isolated can get it. People mm-hmm. who are in uh, close contact with others who had it don't get it. Mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He starts to, you know, kind of just by his observation, he he starts to figure some things out. The oddest correlation, though, is that uh, that he finds is that the rich 
don't seem to catch it as often as the poor do. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. And yeah. the poor surprise okay, are that's, that, that stayed. Yes. Has stayed steady throughout human history. It, okay. Right. Exactly. It's cake. Cake doesn't make you <laughs> right. Cake and, and expensive wine. Right. They were not, drinking cheap wine. Does not make you No. Sick. What it turns out is they're, they're, they're eating, um, rye bread oh, more often. Right. Cause he's noticing when he goes out to the country that the rye bread is more common in the mm-hmm. city. It's white bread. Okay, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Yes. Now he and then he also one day when he's walking through a rye field, he th- notices um, these uh, things on the rye that the farmers call cockspurs. Okay. And the cockspurs have been known for a long time, uh, and and had have actually been used uh, by alchemists uh, to hasten childbirth. Okay. But he knows that if you have too much of medicine, it can actually be a poison. Yeah. So he decides that that is probably the cause of this uh, holy fire or St. Anthony's fire. That's uh, however, That's he, he can't convince the farmers. Yeah. You know, and, and of course, they're probably like, wait a second. You're telling me that all of the rye with this thing has to go. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, no like way. That's half my I'm crop. just not going to believe you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of things like cold, wet years tend to have okay. more holy fire. Yeah. And cold, wet years are when fungus tends yeah, to grow more. Yeah, it turns yeah. out that the, the this thing, it's like these little black things on the rye, is actually ergot, which is a fungus. Okay. Now nobody at the, the time the, we didn't know that fungus they didn't could know that poor. I mean, yeah, yeah. And he tries to convince them, but uh, it takes another two hundred years, two hundred oh. years, Mark, before oh. anybody can prove. And how many deaths, right? Right. I mean, how many? You know, Probably thousands, hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Um, he, you know, he looks into historical records. He sees that there's like, you know, uh, the the years in which there's lots of holy fire. There's, it's, you know, correlates with lots of this, the ergot. Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, this comes back to Dr. Semmelweis that we, we talked about before, you know, similarly, he tries to convince people for, you know, he convinces people to wash their hands for a while. Death rate goes down and then they're like, yeah, no, I don't like this washing my hand thing. Yeah. I'm going back to not washing my hands and the death rate goes up and they're like, yeah, I don't believe in your theory. Even though they've just proved the theory, you know, they still don't believe it because it's inconvenient. It's inconvenient. Like wearing a mask, for instance, which is inconvenient. But you know what? If you just made me wear a, I mean, I don't mind wearing a mask, but wash my hands. Are you kidding me? That's a joke. And wash my hands and wear a mask? Come I, on. Right now I have a mask and latex gloves on. This is just government control and trying to control. Yes, it. I know. Yeah. It's socialism. Um, for a clear or communism end. or something. For a clear of a clear with a yeah. clear means and I, intent. I mean, it's obvious what they're intending to do. Obviously, obvious. Mask and hands. Everybody knows. I'm not going to say it because right. everybody knows. Everybody knows. Because <laughs> it's so obvious <laughs> they, what they're trying they to don't, do. They don't. They don't like my fingerprints on things. Is what it is. Or my breath. I have bad breath, and they don't like my fingerprints. Right. I have bad breath, and I have ugly fingerprints. Ugly, finger, <laughs> ugly fingers. <laughs> well known for ugly the Bowmans. That's why I filed yeah. the fingerprints off of my fingers. Yeah. Right. Now I don't have to wear gloves, but <laughs> And you can't get sick. I so can't get sick. Perfect. Right, yeah, yeah perfect. Best of both worlds. Rob a bank if you want. <laughs> also they can't find me. 
so the ergot is uh, contains uh, mica toxins, mm-hmm. which are uh, later uh, used to um, synthesize LSD. Oh, interesting. So it's a hallucinogenic. And the the uh, ergotism, which is what happens when you consume too much of it, uh, is characterized by muscle spasms, fever, hallucinations. Uh, the victims may appear dazed, unable to speak, become manic, or wow. have other forms of paralysis or tremors and suffer from hallucinations and other distorted perceptions. It makes you think about how many diagnoses there have been of like anybody you hear about all the time like people in insane asylums all sorts of things happening people are like especially a long time ago everything all the way up to like the kennedy daughter who was tucked away somewhere all this kind of stuff how much of this was just some sort of natural reaction just an allergic reaction or something they were exposed to that they reacted to and nobody knew what to do with it so they just assumed they're nuts and stuffed them into well i would just go with the god's punishment it's just easier. Yeah. We don't have my... to do any tests. We don't have to think. Yeah. You just, God's punishment done. That's how like, I feel you like. Know? That's, what I, that's what I feel like when my like oil is low in my car. I know. Or, or just, pfft, yeah. yeah. I don't have any money in my account right. or whatever. Break a shoelace. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you're in a hurry. <laughs> right. You got to get what you got to get. It's God's punishment. It is. Everything is God's punishment. I mean, it's snowstorm. Cause, and I, you know, I, and I, my, my shovel's broken. But I mean, he punishes you, but he loves you. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Just like, just like we, us with our children. Right. With our children. Well, that must be the clear thing. It's like God punishing me. <gasps> There's a whole He is thing the Holy there. Father. Yes. He is the Holy Father. Right. This is a whole, appar- I didn't even think about this. No, you finally gotten it. I finally got it. It's all just a, it's, and it actually justifies us as parents or other parents throughout history punishing their children. That's why I tell my child before I hit him, this is going to hurt you more than, wait, no, this is going to hurt me more than you. Gosh, I get that wrong every time. Every time. Yeah, yeah. This is going to hurt me more than you. I do not hit my child. I've never hit my child. Not intentionally. I mean, I've hit him with like baseballs and hockey pucks and basketballs and soccer balls, but that was in, the the midst of a game. Well, except that one time playing. when we wasn't looking. Right. No, no, no. That was We're, a dodgeball. That was a dodgeball. <laughs> the rubber one, of course. That was a dodgeball. Not, not the foam one. <laughs> the one that makes the big slap when it hits your face. So the whole concept of like God punishing is all just a, sort of like a, it's just a, 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 a repositioning of the tier of power. We are, it just justifies our own punishment of our own children so we can all feel, feel badly about ourselves. And, and you know, if you, if you see your, your kid in his room and he's punishing his stuffed animals or her stuffed animals, it's just more of the same, right? Or their little sister. Yeah. But you know, sometimes the, you know, the kid punches back though, like little sister who has gotten good at it. That's right. But then you, then it's justifiable, right? Then the, then the punished becomes the punisher on up the chain becomes the tough one. But they could go spend eternity in hell. Oh, there's that. Yeah. I, I should mention though. Uh, we, we, digress. we digress. <laughs> we digress. We did. We? I should, of course, we did. A, a little, but but I mean that's what we do. In 1853, I I need to mention. So 1853. I mean, like that's not that long ago. No, I mean right. it from, is, but it isn't. From from what was what did I say? Uh, 857 AD to 1853. Wow. 18 yeah was it did it yeah 1853. Louis Tulane figured out that ergot was a fungus growing on rye and not a part of rye itself. Mm-hmm. 
So that's when they finally were like, ah, but crazy outbreaks continued even after that. Okay. The, 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 I mean, up until I'm trying to remember now up until like 1950 something, 1951, there was an outbreak of ergotism. Wow. In, in 1926 and 1927 in Russia, there was 10,000 reported cases. Now, do people, people recover, but no, they don't all die. I mean, yeah, some die, some recover. Some die, some so recover. this is what's crazy, though, Mark. So uh, ergotism is uh, theorized maybe to have played a role in some historical uh, oh, things. yeah, okay. Uh, interesting things. So... Uh, possibly contributed to the start of the French Revolution. Oh. And the the peasants eating a lot of rye uh-huh. are out of their minds. Hallucinating. Yeah, yeah. at the time. Um, also, it may have prevented the Russians from defeating the Turks in 1772 because they got to certain uh, ports or certain areas where they were afflicted by ergotism sure. in large numbers, yeah. and it stalled out their offensives. Sure, yeah, yeah, I can see that. And and even bigger and more crazy is someone who has uh, theorized that um, the Salem witch trials Whoa. Uh, were because of ergotism. Now, it, the the witch trials weren't just in Salem, but also in Europe. There were lots of witch yeah, trials. Yeah, there were yeah, lots of witch yeah. trials. Salem's just the most famous, yeah. Um, and the Salem witch trial, uh, witch hunt, I should say, uh, the witch trials, and the witch hunt started first, the trials mm, after, but yeah. three girls ex- exhibited convulsive ergotism. Hallucinations, yeah. screaming, yeah. all sorts of craziness. Yeah. Um, and it was all that nobody felt like they could, they, they thought were, you know, in hindsight, they thought, uh, there's, there's talk of them having acted, but it seemed out of context because they, that didn't seem like something that you could just, these girls, they weren't very old, like 14 or something, right? 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, that they were so convincing and they went on for so long. They had, they were, they were uh, exhibiting a blasphemous screaming. Yeah. So screaming God's name in vain, I guess. I'm not really sure. I do that when know? I'm sick. I, I do that when I hit my thumb with a hammer while I'm trying to hit the nail. Everybody <laughs> does that. Convulsive seizures, trance-like states. They were, and yeah. and of course they they were immediately taken to a doctor, and the doctor couldn't find a solution, so he immediately decided they were bewitched. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. So I'm the, surprised he didn't decide it was God's punishment. The modern but, day God's punishment. Right. At the t- the God's punishment of the time. That's it, right. It's not God's punishment. You're actually obsessed, which is sort of like. That's interesting because God's punishment versus the possessed by the devil. That's right. like, those are, you know, it's sort of like, are you coming up from below or are you coming down from the top? But either way, we're meeting in the middle and it's ugly. I, and and what's, what's crazy about this is this makes me want to do Salem Witch Trials next. You absolutely should do Salem Witch Trials next. Because it's it's crazy. They're awesome. It's, I've been to the Salem Witch Museum when I was a kid. Really? Really, 40 years ago or more, but when I was a, real, a young kid um, with my dad. And it was pretty... I still remember parts of like the automatronic... like. You know, I don't know. I, I'm not going to get into it. But do they you know, have you do reenactments like the app bobbing for apples with your hands tied behind your back? And then, right. Yeah. And yeah, then if you, and then if you come up with, or, or no, they, no, 
they hold your head under. Yeah. If you don't drown, you're a witch. If you do drown, you were innocent, but now you're dead. It reminds right? me. Something, it's, yeah, it's the, it's, something it's like the, that. It's the, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the Monty Python sort of. We, we watch that sometimes with the kids. Like, it's like, actually, my youngest daughter, Edie, who's 10 now, even at nine, she could recite a good portion of what Eric Idle, or I think it's Eric Idle, not Eric Idle, um, Michael Palin says his speech of like, of like, therefore she is, you know, whatever that he, he does the, he does the logic and everyone kind of goes, it actually isn't him. It's anyway, he does the logic and he says, he does, he's like, well, this is the logic. And everyone goes like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Even the witch goes like, yeah, you got me. You got me. That sounds good. Right. <laughs> he's like, you're therefore you are way you the must... same as a duck. Right. You know, it's like, what? And they actually, the scales weigh out like the duck and the wind. <laughs> Monty Python is so, it's like, it's timeless. When it it's hits, amazing. Especially when it hits. When one, it hits, right. Two, five, the holy hand grenade. Right, right. We love that one. <laughs> Do, one, two is too little. Five. Five four. is way out. <laughs> <laughs> the, the last thing I was going to mention is that also the, uh, the bubonic plague. Yes. So they, this same person thinks that because the, the plague ended around 1350, but the population remained depressed until 1490. Oh my so that's 140 years yeah. more of like what was going on. People couldn't really figure it out, but they, the, this, this person looked at, and I'll, I'll put, put this in the notes because I've forgotten her name now. But uh, basically she says that, uh, you know, these were like wet, cold years in which it was more likely there would be the ergot growing on the rye. And the places that had the higher higher rates of death had larger uh, amounts of surplus green storage. Okay. So it's like Scandinavia that's cold and dry yeah. did, basically had, had none of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, France and, and England, uh, and in fact, England... This was this was kind of funny. I just wanted to mention this, but uh, funny. In, like, well, yeah, know, yeah. They quote, they had an epidemic of quote madness in the summer of 1355, in which people believed they saw demons. Uh, there and in 1374, there was an outbreak of hallucinations, convulsions, and compulsive dancing in Rhineland. Yeah, there was all, and then there's that dancing disease too. There's a whole. Is that that's not this though? That's I don't know. That's different. Maybe it is. I gotta look that up because that was something I looked at before. I don't think that was this, but there is. But there, but this, yeah, this is a, uh, this. I mean, and I mean, again, there was no compass here whatsoever. There's no. no way to even begin diagnosing what the heck is going on. I I wonder if people thought what is going on, or if they were just like, okay, he says whatever. Okay, I I will just go with that. But the last thing, well, the most learned person in town right. is the priest. You know, the only one who can read, and they're gonna yeah. What was what was uh two things? One was I had just have to mention this. Some of the people imagined they were drowning in a stream of blood. Oh, I was like, gosh. what? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And but finally, so you know, I should save it for the Salem witch trials. You know. 
I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it because I, I got something really interesting, but you're going to have to come back and listen Let's to do the that. Witch Let, Trials. Let's hold on to that because if you've got something juicy, we need to hold yeah, on to it. I've got something juicy. We're it's, it's so fun. starved for good ideas on this show. <laughs> we're not. No, we're not. The, so list, be, the list just continues to grow. We can't do these fast enough. We haven't been doing them in a while. I'm just my been my issue, Mark, is usually I spend two hours trying to decide which topic to choose. And oh. then I'm running short on time to read it and study it. And I spend the same time, like you and I spend the same time talking about it and we get exciting about a new to, a new one and we right. haven't even done the last five right. we've exactly. talked about. Uh, what, um, uh, what's interesting to me about that, what was I going to say? Oh my gosh, I totally lost what I was going to say. Uh, you, it's, it's probably holy fire or God's punishment. Something in there. Or, it's right. something in there. Yeah. Yeah. Insert interesting and also funny. Well, well I'm, no, I'm thinking the reason you forgot is... It's God's punishment or... It got me back. Right, yeah. yeah, God got me. God's mad at me yeah. for that thing I said earlier. Yeah. Those things I said earlier. For your blasph- blaspheming. And like earlier today right. and then earlier and right. earlier. And yesterday. I, I mean, I literally stay up at night sometimes thinking about these and it's and which one to do. I know, yeah. And have you got... What else we have on this thing? Is there any more ergotism uh, to go over? No, no. I mean, it's, it's super fascinating. It, it sounds and super I, fascinating. I read this like... Uh, I read this one article that that I'm gonna uh, you know list in there, um, probably ten years ago, and I've been fascinated been ever since. Us. It sent me down a ra- you know that that yeah. whole like rabbit hole of oh I need to learn about psychedelics now. Yeah, and oh, yeah. and there's crazy there's crazy help is not a waste stories there too. I'm sure. Well, yeah. and now they have a way to keep this stuff at bay. They they throw some tenactin on it or some sort of like right, right. Fun, you know, like <laughs> anti fun, anti fungal. Yeah, you yeah, just they, you just spray athlete's foot all over just, your body. They just spray, <laughs> like, drink, fill a fill a cup full of athlete's. Yeah, foot. yeah. You just have a sip, have a shot of <laughs> right. uh, whatever athlete's foot medication. You just can't eat a rye sandwich in the gym. Right. Spray some spray some tenactin on your on your rye toast. <laughs> you got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, it's interesting that you um, you have to went after a germ thing because I have a guy who was a germaphobe. <laughs> and uh, are we ready for me to jump in? Wait, was he a billion, billionaire? But he eccentric, was a billionaire. Eccentric, eccentric billionaire. billionaire. Yeah. And he was a germaphobe. And That's, did, well, that is crazy. That, that, all, that right away separates him from the eccentric billionaire we're usually talking about uh, of modern, of modern era, or a modern era one. Um this is uh, a great story, and, it, and it's not uh, an unknown story, but it's a story that's due for a telling, and this is a great show to do it on. So um, this is about Howard Hughes. Now, oh, yeah. a heck of a lot of probably people probably know about him. He's not unknown, but he might be in like The Aviator or other movies with other people, And but his story is it's pretty damn fascinating. And it, it starts off with, like, for anyone who knows the story, You'll, you'll know where we're going with this, but it starts off with a, why is this a help is not in the way guy? He's a rich billion, mega rich billionaire of, you know, at a time when there were no billionaires and he had all the money in the world, could do anything he wanted to, but it's timely because we got a guy right now who thinks he can do whatever he wants to and is the richest guy in the world. Just one? We got a couple of those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. But we got the one who likes to show up a lot. Mm, yeah. Most we, them, we've mentioned a few times. I think we mentioned him. Yeah, I think they seem to recall one or two. So Howard Hughes, he's born on December 24th. So he's born on Christmas Eve, 1905, and dies uh, at 70 years old in 1976. And 
So the setup 76. is like six. Yeah, I know. I didn't think he lived that. Long. I know. I was sort of surprised. I was four. I mean, like, like he lived I was alive when he died. People live forever who kind of like. I don't. He wasn't necessarily. I think he was probably a bad guy in his maybe some ways, but I think he was just obviously really, really messed up in his head. So yeah. Um, and that's where we, we, we will get to. Because the initial resume that I'm going to run down, you're like, why would you be talking about this guy? He sounds like he doesn't need help at all. Like, help is definitely was on the way for him. Right. So he is known as one of the world's most, the richest and influential people in the world at, at his, during his lifetime. And he was he was an entrepreneur, uh, business magnate, film producer, engineer. He was a pilot. Um, he set several record, records. Um, in aviation and was a major contributor to the advance of aviation and the aviation industry. So he was a big player. Um, among other awards, he received the Congressional Gold Medal for his contribution to aviation, and he formed the Hughes Aircraft Company in 1932 when he was just 27 years old. <laughs> I'm Mark, if genius and achievement are correlated with insanity, I am golden. For real. Well, yeah, right? Yeah. I, I, I will not be go insane. Yeah, you're not going to... Yeah, yeah, exactly. You got none of it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. I'm totally safe. I feel like skiing well, <laughs> fretting, worrying about money. Right. I'm, I'm in. Uh, I'm, right. I'm yeah. going to be rich. Perfect. <laughs> so, um, now keep in mind, uh, he, he, he shares some traits with another very successful uh, um, entrepreneur. Um, he also got a lot of money from his family of our time. This guy, you know, shares that trait with another guy mm. we've heard of recently. Yeah. Uh, on Conversely, uh, he actually made money with his money and, you know, was good at business. Right. Um, he, he, he acquires... Hughes was. Hughes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. yeah. The not, guy, not the other guy. Yeah, who he, who, who he shall not, not be named, named because right. we don't need to talk about no. Anyone but Howard. Any only one billionaire show, right? Alleged billionaire. <laughs> so that's right. Um, so he he forms the Howard he, the Hughes Aircraft Company in 1932. He's 27. He acquires Transworld Airlines, which is out of business nowadays, but wasn't all that long ago in our lifetime. No, that TWA was flying around the world. Wasn't wasn't isn't that the big um, like the famous uh, airport in L.A. was the TWA. Like that fancy, like modern. Oh, probably, yeah. Was it yeah, yeah, like yeah. TWA or yeah, something? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. it was like TWA was a big deal. It was a big deal. It's, yeah, it was I a mean, really it's, big it's deal. nothing now, but it was then. Yeah, I'm sure it got acquired by Delta or something. Right. And, but yeah, at the time, it was the biggest of the big. And well, by maybe it was after his death, probably, but it was probably around the de his death that he was it was blowing up. Um, not actually blowing up because although there were some TWA planes that blew up, but anyway, um, he was also the owner of um one of the big five film studios, RKO Pictures. Um, oh, but he, yeah. But he did run it into the ground. Um, he bought it and didn't didn't do so well. Uh, so later in life, his business empires added real estate, hotels, casinos, media outlets, um, et cetera. And um, so anyway, let's go back to the beginning. He's born um, in either Harris County, Texas, or keok iowa no one really knows because the birth certificate and the baptism records are totally different that's kind of odd that nobody knows where like they're not that there are states between iowa and texas yeah it's, it's not weird. like they're bordering each other it's not yeah. like oh it could have been illinois it could have been indiana no and it's not like close enough to have like maybe written them down wrong right with that so but and and also his father uh it's not like he was sort of came from like mysterious background there wasn't there was money there. weird the records didn't 
didn't keep up. But he's the son of a successful inventor, uh, Howard Hughes Sr., who invented a drill bit, among other things. He invented a drill bit for the oil industry. And instead of sort of genius, his, his father was a good businessman. And um, instead of uh, selling it, as you know, to companies, he leased the drill, oh, patented it, and leased it. Smart setting up a business yeah. for like something that could drill through granite that they needed, and so he leased it out and he started the Hughes Tool Damn. Company, um, and amassed a pretty sizable fortune. At, it's it's so shocking to hear that a wealthy person came from a wealthy person. It is weird, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I, I thought they were usually self-made. It's just outlier. Yeah. Out, we're yeah. Just gonna say outlier. outlier. Yeah, lay that. Sure. Just say outlier. Right. All these, right. All these other ones were self-made. Yeah. You're either like, you know, yeah, you're, yeah. Everyone from they usually up. crawled out of the slums of India, you and, know, like in, uh, and it all, and there is a legitimacy. There's like, there's no question that we, especially we without means, um, definitely value most people typically sort of like think more of the one who sort of pulled them up by their bootstraps. Right. So is there a, is there a pull your up by your bootstrap saying in the rich community, like pull yourself up by your golden spoon, <laughs> your golden <laughs> Fed spurs. yourself with your golden spoon. Yeah, exactly. I, I think, I Poke think the, the bootstraps are only used as like a pejorative term for people who didn't succeed. Exactly. The, 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 the thing would be like, like, like poked your horse with your golden spur. He poked right. his horse with his golden spurs. And his horse ran very fast. His horse ran faster than we expected. Right. <laughs> so given that he dropped out of three colleges and That's right, kicked yeah. out of two and somehow still got his name on a building. Right. <laughs> he sh um, who shall not be named. He who shall not be named. <laughs> Um, so at 11, oh, but, but, but 11, at, 11, in all fairness, Hughes was, so you made a rocket at 11. The, no, no, I'm just kind of close. Like uh, actually yeah. in all fairness, he actually was really smart. Yeah. And I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not surprised. Ended up sort of like he was, he wasn't, he, he didn't take the money and do nothing. Well, he did. He blew a lot of money, but he also, <laughs> but he also did actually know what he was. He did know business. He's very good. Um, so at 11, he's credited with building the first wireless radio transmitter in Houston, Te Houston, Texas. And at 12, he's featured in the local newspaper as having built a motorized bicycle from parts of a steam engine. So it's pretty, I mean, he's not an, he's <laughs> steam powered bicycle, pretty smart kid. When, uh, how old? 12, 12. Yeah. That, I wasn't doing that at 12. No, no. Um, he has, he takes flying lessons at 14. His mother, whose name is. It's an, it's an interesting about A L L E N E Alina hmm. Gano. She dies at in 1922 when he's 17, and his father dies when he's 19. So Hughes inherits oh, wow. a, a pretty good sized fortune at this time. Okay. Um, he initially considers pursuing a career as a pro golfer because he's darn good apparently, and uh, but he shifts instead and moves to L.A. to produce his first film, which is titled Swell Hogan. It's a short film financed by him and turned out to be a disaster. So um, <laughs> he he uh, he attempts to get it re-edited and it's still a disaster. So he has all copies of the film destroyed. His next four films, which he finances, are successful, even garnering Academy Award nominations and one win. So he's doing quickly. He you know it, it turns out really well and filmmaking is really hard by the so, way like, so so he's maybe not so good at 
like the, the concept of the film, but he's good at being the producer. He learned his lesson. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of learned, he seems to have learned his lesson, at least in these next four mm-hmm. films. Um, he did blow the, he, he did kind of blow it, but um, a lot of this has to do with his obsessive compulsiveness, mm, right. which we catch up to later. Um, he acquires RKO pictures and he lays off 700 of their employees. Oh, yeah. Well, right. I mean, that's like, you know, that sounds about right. <laughs> There's probably 707 employees, of course. Right. But so he he implements a staunch anti-communist policy. Oh yes, which is yes, right. Not really that yeah. surprising at the time, yeah. and um, uh, and holds up productions uh for the company while all remaining employees and actors under contract are investigated to make sure they're not like. This is something you can only do if you're very very wealthy, yeah. right? If you need to like get the get the productions going to make money to actually generate a profit right you're like i don't have time i'm not doing you're not going to investigate all the employees to see if they're communists yeah, you don't care what they do no you yeah, don't really can, care you're yeah. like just make some movies and make me some money because i i can't i don't have a long runway here he apparently had a long he runway. Had a pretty good yeah. runway and he wasn't yeah he wasn't concerned about his right so he, he slows production down from 30 pictures a year to nine and by 1954 but by 1954 um, he ha- he sells the studio that he is now sole owner of because he bought out all of the shareholders because he was annoyed with them complaining about how he was running the studio. <laughs> but in the grand scheme of rich people landing on their feet, he uh, he profits up to about it's it, it, it's it's a, it's predicted he profited about ten million despite claims of mismanagement across the board. I, I think um, when you're that rich, you're kind of like a cat, right? You just throw them off the building and they land on their feet and walk away. Everyone follows yeah. you because you, you know, everything you do touches, you know, seems to turn to gold. So right. even if it looks like it's falling apart, they still like jump yeah. on board. Um, so uh, Hughes real estate investments included 1200 acres in Culver city, LA, which is like the middle of LA. I lived in Culver city. It's like, now it's like the real deal. I mean, Amazon's there now and 25,000 uh, acres outside Las Vegas, but his real foray. And we're going to get into this a little bit later. His real foray into real estate comes when he was staying at the desert Inn in Las Vegas, when he was asked to vacate his room for incoming, um, incoming holiday high rollers who were booked into his suite. He refused <laughs> To leave the room and instead decide, b- bought the hotel. <laughs> How about that? Talk about a big F you. Like you're just like on, like, late getting out of the shower. Right. And I'm, not, I'm ha- not getting out. Housekeeping. Ha- in fact, how much you want for this place? <laughs> housekeeping. I'm buying it. Right. I'm still in my underwear. Go back to the desk and ask them how much they want for the place. I'm wet. I got a <laughs> towel around my waist. I'm just going to buy it. Tell your boss. Slips a check under the door. <laughs> Desert Inn Incorporated. It's kind of like, <laughs> is it? It's, this is like his Twitter. It's totally like his Twitter. Wait. Oh, shh. Psh, psh, psh. <laughs> Don't divulge this in the name of the other. No more billionaires. No other Wait, billionaires. I thought it was a different billionaire. That we're talking. <laughs> Same billionaire. Really. <laughs> okay. Just reborn. <laughs> so, um,. So he buys it, and um, he he this this moves him into acquisitions, um, other acquisitions amounting to an estimated spend of three hundred million, which eventually included the Sands Hotel, the Landmark Hotel, all this in Las Vegas. By the time um, they uh, by this time Vegas is um, 
uh, is is heavily connected to with organized crime, and he pushes up against the players in that world as he becomes he be- ends up becoming one of the most powerful men in Vegas, including its largest employer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he literally you could follow this guy with the money because you you know anything he touches does well not anything. In fact, he, at a certain point, he won't touch anything. <laughs> tissue in his hand. But let's get there in a second. <laughs> um, he's involved in aviation, uh, airlines, aerospace, and defense industries as well. Um, but he also, um, and he tests tests planes. He likes to fly. But he um, he crashes four times, including like killing a couple people on planes that he's in. You know what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they're test planes, and okay. so it's not like he's in trouble. Well, he's yeah. doing wrong, but like um, uh, he does uh, set a an airspeed record in 1935 um, over land uh, of a hundred of 352 miles an hour. So mm. he's got some records under his belt. Yeah. He also sets a new transcontinental airspeed record flying from LA to New Jersey in seven hours, 28 minutes, which beats his own previous record. The plane he's flying is one that he commissioned to have built for his own aircraft company called the Hughes H1 Racer. Um, he also built, uh, this is a little bit more well-known, the uh, H1, HK1 Hercules, which was nicknamed the Spruce Ooh. Goose. Yeah, yeah. I know you know... Yes, because because I saw that once you saw when, I, when I was a kid, and we the one time my parents flew me across the country, and my sister and we went to L.A. just to see the Spruce Goose and stay at the Queen Mary. Queen Mary, I think you said it was. Yeah, yeah. 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 Stay in the Queen Mary, which was right next to this giant hangar that housed the Spruce Goose, and you could then you know buy a ticket and go look at this enormous airplane that. Which is 319 feet long. And how many times bigger than the biggest plane? You said that earlier. Six, was it? Six, I think, at, at the time, right? Six S- times bigger than the next largest plane. Yeah. And it's made <laughs> out of wood. wood. Entirely made out of wood. And, and it was amazing. And it was flown a lot and went really... Oh, wait a yeah, second. Yeah, they're okay. still in, still in yeah. service. Still yes. In, <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Different... Different... Right. Different parallel universe. Right. Kevin, that's a parallel universe. This plane... Cost $22 million to develop and 22. only flew once for what? 30 seconds. $22 million. Back and then. Back then. I was just going to say, that's an enormous sum of money. It's like a half a billion dollars. It's got to be $200 million or something. I mean, so is that like a Bezos yacht? Yeah, it's like a Bezos yacht. Right. <laughs> that's the measure of value of everything right. in the world. How many Bezos yachts is that? It's like a glass on the Bezos yacht. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a, a, a sugar... <laughs> Dispense, you know, sugar. That's that's my, you know, annual. Your annual right. salary right. is yeah. It's like the sh- yeah. It's like the salt shaker. But but a, the Bruce Goose was like a Bezos yacht, maybe. It was like the Bezos like yacht that, yeah. that didn't that didn't float because it did float, but it didn't fly. It didn't, right. <laughs> so it could have been a if yacht. If it had been the Bezos yacht, if it had been the Spruce Goose yacht, it would have been, been a successful. It would have also been the sixth largest yacht of its time. But it would have been a lot more successful. <laughs> so it, it it reaches a max. It th- flew for 30 seconds once and reached a maximum altitude of 25 feet above the water. So it, it like tied the Wright brothers. It, the Wright brothers like 22 feet, right? right. 25 feet. Yeah. And I think, well, I think this flew, like you said, it was like a quarter of a mile we were talking okay. about earlier. So it went the further, further than the Wright brothers. flew like 100 feet, feet or something. <laughs> but 
size right. wise it's really relative yeah you know what i mean like maybe yeah. <laughs> ish so on for july 14th 1948 he set another record by completing an around the world flight in just 91 hours which beat the previous record of 186 hours so like he cut it in half. half that's insane and he received, this is his first foray into fame, which we won't get really much into. He did become a very famous person, um, but is because up until then he was sort of famous for dating celebrities, but, and he was, a, you know, he's a socialite right. and rich guy, but like other billionaires we won't name. Yeah. He's in the news right. being, you know, but, but he, this actually made him famous and he, he become he receives a ticker tape parade in New York city. Um, at the time. So um, then he launches Howard Hughes Medical Institute in 1953 to devote, uh, to de- uh, which is devoted to biological and medical research. This is a charity, which was initially really honestly, uh, in hindsight, people kind of know it was a, basically a tax dodge because he had a lifelong problem with paying taxes. <laughs> like other billionaires that won't be named. <laughs> well, we just, we just have <laughs> right. a button on the desk. Right. It just has like a duck sound, which is just input, right. <laughs> input like other billionaires that shall not be named. Right. Um, but okay, but but in all fairness, although it was purchased, um, like there was like an acquisition in there somewhere or whatever, in like I don't know what year. Um, uh, in two thousand seven, the Howard Hughes Medical Institute was the fourth largest private organization in the U.S. And wow. as of 2018, uh, it has an endowment of it had an endowment of twenty billion dollars. Twenty billion? Yeah, yeah. Like it's like for real. Wow. Now it's like really doing its thing, and it's for real. But he basically started it to kind of like try to avoid taxes. Um, so he was tall, dark, handsome. He met all of the markers of a socialite, you know, desirable socialite of the time. So I mean, I'm I'm tall, dark, and handsome, but I don't have the money. Is that my my downfall. <laughs> no comment. I'm not going to, I want to get there. I don't want to go there. I, I'm not sure what it is. What it was. I don't, you know, you're, you're not like, sure you're what, really good I'm not really sure what it is, Kevin. Cause if it was up to me, you'd be the richest man in this room right behind me. <laughs> so <laughs> just, but just like a hair. Right. Like right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't mean much. <laughs> so, um, so he's rich and his, but his wife, you know, divorces him in 1929. So, uh, he becomes very popular on the dating scene. He mm. is a, and now we're, we're jumping around in time here, obviously like yeah. a little bit, but he is, um, young, he's rich, he's handsome. His wife just divorced him. Clearly he's a, you know, he's a catch and he is in Hollywood. So he is dating, he dates Joan Crawford, Betty Davis, Ava Gardner, Catherine, Catherine Hepburn, Hedy Lamarr. He, he, wow. And more. Like, he's got this list of, you know, uh, women that he was, you know, at least dating, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. And, of course, no surprise, because he is who he is. Um, uh, but he's an imperfect human being, Kevin. And I'm going to tell mm. you uh, one of the ways that he's imperfect. He, in 1936, uh, he kills a pedestrian uh, in LA. He's dr- driving drunk. Uh, and he went to jail and, and uh, pay, yeah. paid, he paid he his price, paid right? He paid his debt to society yeah. as any normal, wait, wait, no, I'm sorry. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I, I misread this. The witness who stated that Hughes was driving too fast and erratically 
suddenly changed her statement, um, and he was uh, hmm. he was declared not Did guilty. Did this witness receive any money from Howard Hughes? Not that I'm aware of. Not hmm. that I personally am aware of. Right, I am okay. not personally okay. aware of her getting a bag of cash handed right. to her. <laughs> You know? Like like other billionaires, we won't mention supposed billionaires. <laughs> quack, we won't write yeah. the quack, 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 quack. The, the duck button. I'm I'm just I like I feel like there's a lot of similarities here. There between, are a lot of similarities. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's almost like life repeating itself. Yeah. Like we history like repeats it itself, and happening. we yet have what, not learned what our I'm lesson. Surprised is we didn't ever elect this guy president. He should be president. <laughs> right. Yeah, he should be president. We should all support everything he right. does because actually that's what people did. Um, so, uh, so as I was saying before, like so, he, so you know, other than that, we have touched on a little bit, but right now, if you you haven't been listening too closely to some of the liner notes. You might not know why we got this guy in the podcast. Help is not on the way. Right. But for Howard Hughes, help was not on the way because despite being uh, very successful, uh, having everything, he also uh, suffered from undiagnosed, severe undiagnosed obsessive compulsive disorder, um, among other health. Which it, which health is issues. crazy that it was undiagnosed. Is it is it undiagnosed because of who he was and the money he had and everybody just around him being what what are they? Uh, sycophants or whatever, you know, just like, hey, Howard, you're just a genius, the best thing that's ever happened since sliced bread? Or is it because the diagnosis then was just kind of like, you know, they didn't really diagnose it then? That's a good question because honestly, like, I mean, a lot of this was chalked up originally to eccentricity. Okay. No yeah. big surprise there. Yeah. But like, but then you have to think, like you think about Michael Jackson, you think about like, King Ludwig, you think about anybody in history who is so wealthy, nobody wants to tell him. They right. don't have to they don't have to Nobody be wants to, to tell the emperor he has no clothes, right? Yeah. They don't have to show up at work tomorrow. They can do what they want and everybody is going to and, and there's nobody who can really force them to do anything. So it's sort of a I I have some empathy for somebody who's in that orbit, who's like, I think this person's like an alcoholic, mentally right. ill, blah, 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 blah. It's like how do you, as somebody who can just be sort of flicked away like a flea, right. kind of actually, and you're not, there's no, they, don't, they don't really have any friends. I'm sure yeah. you didn't have any friends. How do you get them to get help? And Because they don't have to. They can just go get somebody to go get everything for them. Yeah, and, that's right. Um, and, and they can avoid it, frankly. Uh, unfortunately, he, he, he was never properly, you know, sort of like, he didn't get proper help um, for whatever reason. Um. So he uh, has a severe obsessive compulsive disorder and other mental health issues. And um, he was truly, truly tortured by this. Uh, and and it, it increased as he was older, but there were many signs while he was much younger. Um, so he was at the same thing for dinner every night. Okay, you know, he even separated out the larger peas from the smaller ones and wouldn't eat the larger ones. So, okay, that's a little weird, but then it gets, it starts to go and go and it really just gets out of control. He's a, he, he's a germaphobe, um, and became more and more paranoid about secrecy throughout his life. Uh. Probably like from the, you know, stealing, you know, company secrets and that whole world. His memoir, uh, memoirs from many people who knew and worked with him recount all sorts of eccentricities, which include his obsession with how the fabric on Jane Russell's blouse bunched at the seams in a particular film that he worked on. I mean, I, I, I have the same 
thing Ex- about that. I, like probably, I didn't, I didn't like that either. You probably I mean, didn't write like a hundred pages of notes. About oh, it, right. Know, yeah. No, something I, like... I just stated, I don't like the way the fabric. <laughs> yeah. You've never liked Jane. <laughs> Kevin, what is it with you and Jane Russell's blouse? Every time, Kevin. Every I know. Time. It's just, it, I, there's something about we it. We gotta get through something a podcast <laughs> without you bringing up Jane, Jane Russell's Russell. blouse. The notes, Kevin, the notes. I can't sleep at night. I don't, I just don't like how it bunches. <laughs> So um, he has, he, he, he owned, eventually he buys a TV station in Las Vegas. Um, and when he's in town, he calls them at times to get them to play the movie Ice Station Zebra, which is apparently like, a, like an okay movie of the time. But it's, it, it's, it takes place in sort of a sterilized sort of Antarctic <laughs> you, you know, world. Where and there's he, no germs. <laughs> he gets them to play it over and over, like gets them to play it more than once. And that's like, some people even said like, we knew Howard was in town when they'd see Ice Station Zebra on this channel. And he would call them sometimes and have them rewind to scenes he wanted to rewatch. Like in the middle of like a airing on TV. <laughs> they're like, somebody's watching this and they're like, wait a second, why is it, why is it, why did it go back 20 minutes I again? Watched, did we just see the scene? Um, in 1958, he told some aides that he wanted to screen a new film. They set him up in a film studio where he stayed in a screening room for the next four months, never <sighs> leaving the screening room. He's often naked, watching films over and over and over again, continuously eating only chocolate. Well, go ahead. And and people were like, uh, he's just eccentric. Because you can get away with it. He's got the money, right? <laughs> he's naked. Anyone else? The he hasn't left the room in four months. Totally, right? He eats only chocolate bars, chicken, and drinks only milk during this time. <laughs> people were like, I, I don't know. Should I say anything? Can you imagine, like, if we had mobile phones at the time? I guess somebody on, like, you know, the phone just being like, I don't know, like calling home. I don't know, honey. I don't know when he's going to leave. I don't know. I'm just standing here. I want to come home. Tell the kids I love him. I don't know what to do. He won't leave. Like, how many conversations? He's a billionaire. I can't do anything about it. I can't drag him out of there. What am I going to do? So he, uh, he has dozens of boxes of Kleenex brought in, which he constantly restock, re, uh, restacks and rearranges. Um, he includes details instructions to his aides, um, which, which, uh, w- including rules like they're not allowed to look at him when they come in and they're not allowed <laughs> to talk avert, to him. Avert. They can't talk to him unless talk to like all that kind of like, like the, they cover their eyes, they turn and like, they walk with their back to him. Total Bob Dylan kind of like, you know, stuff. That's where Bob Dylan got the idea. Um, so, in 1958, when he finally leaves the studio, four months later, he hadn't cut his hair or nails or bathed in weeks. He moves into the Beverly Hills Hotel. He rents rooms for himself, his aides, his wife, and numerous girlfriends. By the way, he's still got girlfriends. He hasn't clipped his nails in, or bathed in weeks, and he's still got rooms for his girlfriends. Apparently, he had, he had a lot of money. Right. Forgot that one. Right. <laughs> so... At the hotel, he's known for sitting naked, save a pink <laughs> towel over his genitals while watching movies over and over again continuously. It's believed, but it is believed he may have had a condition called um, allodynia, which I didn't know anything about. I've never heard of that. It makes the touch, it may, well, allodynia, I didn't read much into this, but it makes things that do not are not painful, painful to you. It's sort of like a, I think it's a mental condition, although I think it's only mental. Um but it could have been physical. Um, it could be a physical condition. I, I didn't really read into much detail about this condition. 
but what this does is it makes simple some things that are not painful shouldn't be painful can be painful to you and in his case the touch of cloth or clothing to his skin could be incredibly painful um and people who have this disorder um, find that distractions often help them, which oh, may explain okay. for why he sat watching movies right, over right. and over and over again. So uh, in, uh, a, a, in about a year, um, it is estimated that he spent 11, about $11 million at the hotel. $11 million Back at then. the hotel. We're talking 1958. Uh, another, uh, this is like another Bezos yacht. You buy the hotel. Right. I mean, it's insane. It's a Bezos yacht. Um, he, 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 he drops out of public view around this time. Um, he's been a socialite and well-known, but um, uh, he was once an, interest, an instantly recognizable figure, but he comes a, he's become a recluse, and um, now there are rumors of terminal illness, mental, mental instability, and, may, and many people think he's, he's died. Um, he becomes obsessed with buying restaurants and hotels that had been founded in Texas. Many of them are nothing, disappear, like he loses money on them, they go out of business, but that's not the point. So he buys... And it, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't shake, it doesn't change right. anything. He's yeah. still... Um, late, he event, again becomes obsessed with the movie Ice Station Zebra, watching it uh, an AIDS claim that later that he had watched it on repeat over 158 times continuously, just constantly running. To insulate himself... Uh, what, what, did anybody have a clue yet that there's something wrong with him? No, no, no. no this okay. is pretty normal. Uh, right. It's pretty common for the, for yeah. the air time. Yes. Yeah, I mean, people often watch a movie 150 <laughs> times in a row. Late 50s, right. Kevin. Yeah. I mean, you know, we all know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Most people listening to this, 12-year-olds listening to this, don't wear late 50s, but... People watch movies a lot. Right. Same <laughs> one. <laughs> Same one. Naked. For like several months straight. <laughs> so um, to insulate himself from germs, he could he would only pick up objects using tissues and wearing clean and he would wear Kleenex begin wearing Kleenex boxes on his feet. He became addicted to codeine. Oh. Um, because of the pain he experienced uh, right. from all these plane crashes. He he'd really hurt himself many times. And also possibly for the um Aladinia. Yeah. I pronounced that right. Um, and uh, he would inject the drug intramuscularly to numb his pain. Oh, geez. Um, and he began storing his urine in bottles. Hmm. And that is, is that a strange thing? 1960s. Late 50s, early 60s. Well, I, I was just asking for a friend. It was a different time. I was asking for a friend <laughs> if that was friend. an odd thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, viewers are viewers are writing in. Viewers are writing in. And listeners are writing in, and they are asking, "Was that common at the time?" <laughs> right. Yeah, the Beatles did it. Yeah, yeah right. the Beatles did it. Well known. Zeppelin. They flew. That was what they. That's why they had the private jet. Right. Probably fly their urine. Rolling Stones. They weren't actually well, on the planes themselves. Mama's little helper. <laughs> that's what is up. Mama's right. little helper would hold, would hold the jar. Right. <laughs> so, um, uh. He, in 1966, he starts moving with his aides and entourage from hotel to hotel, always taking up the top floor penthouses. This is when he bought the Desert Inn in Las Vegas, which we mentioned before, and soon began acquiring other hotels and casinos. He bought the adjacent hotel, the Silver Slipper, which is a small, a comparatively small acquisition, um, but he bought it for the purpose of removing the hotel's sign, 
which was a neon slipper, which would blink and uh, would apparently cast neon light into his hotel room where he was in in the Desert Inn, and it was bothersome, so he bought the hotel so he could take down the sign. <laughs> when, he became fa- when he became fond of Baskin-Robbins banana nut ice cream, his aides um, uh, reached out to Baskin-Robbins to get Lots of it for him. Um, oh, I thought he was going to buy Baskin Robbins. He didn't buy Baskin Robbins, but the aides found out that the flavor had been discontinued. So uh, they bought the minimum order to restart manufacturing of the of the um, uh, of the flavor, uh, three hundred and fifty gallons, uh, and got Baskin Robbins to reissue the flavor. And when they shortly after they had it delivered to the desert inn he decided he liked French vanilla. I mean, I, I would agree there. I think the banana nut whatever doesn't sound banana great. Nut. Yeah, it, it doesn't There's sound like so a great ice cream, I right? I go for, but yeah. I mean, banana nut. But then he goes straight for French vanilla, which is like the most banal flavor no, of ice cream, even, right? It's like, it's like, and, and, and what is the difference between vanilla and French vanilla? It's, it's one, at the store right now over by us. One, one, is, one is more yellow than the other. I, I think it's, it's eggs. It's, it's, eggs or something well, like that. Well, that or uh, yeah. it, could, it could be Howard Hughes' urine. <laughs> there was a lot. They, they had a lot of jars to use <laughs> up. Plenty of jars. Lots <laughs> what of do jars. we do with these jars of Howard's urine? <laughs> French vanilla. Pour them in the vat. <laughs> so, that was so gross. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> um, in 1970, his wife, wife Jean Peters, he's been married for a large portion of this time. I don't oh, know if okay. I mentioned that. He uh, was married before he got married again. Oh, yeah. But I mean, he still had, do he still have the girlfriends? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. She's moved with him um, and the girlfriends have their own rooms and everybody. Oh, okay. And she's been and, and she she divorces him in 1970. I forget how long they've been married at this point, but um, but they'd only seen each other for a few days a year. I think they were married for about 10 years. So they'd only seen each other for a few days a year. Since I wonder what, what kept them together. Yeah, really, right? That's a kind of easy life. Like if she doesn't yeah. have to shave to show up for like a couple of days and be like, hey, Howie. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't, but like, I can't blame her. I'm almost like, what was he thinking? Why was he like, why, I sh- right. Yeah, why right. am I just paying you to like. Yeah, like pretend you're why do, a hotel room. You yeah, I don't see you. You you yeah. come with me, but we don't. But yeah, but he um uh she did she she actually was pretty cool by the way. I I'm not saying cool. I don't know her, but like um she did negotiate a seventy thousand dollar a year stipend for herself in the divorce, which would increase for inflation. That's not a heck of a lot of money for a woman mm-hmm. who's married to a guy who's a billionaire, right? She's not really asking for a lot, and that's no. in all fairness, that's like she's looking at a, a, a nice, comfortable but but reasonable lifestyle, yeah. and she never spoke ill of him. She never wow. sort of told the tale hmm. of him, and she never spoke ill of him. She just was like, "I'm not going to get involved." And they didn't have, and there was no agreement. By the way, apparently there was no confidentiality agreement. She had, she could have done anything she wanted. She could to. have sold that to the National Enquirer, yeah, or TMZ or whatever. But she just went on with her life, yeah. and she cashed a pretty good sized check for the time, and did okay for herself, and 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 whatever, good for yeah. her. And you know, I I sort of read that, and I thought, you know what, good on you, Gene Peters. That's right. So here we come to the end of our story. Well, it's close to the end. We're pretty close. Hughes dies of kidney failure on April 5th, 1976. He's on board his private jet headed from Mexico in Acapulco to 
a hospital in Houston, Texas. Um, at the time of his death, he's unrecognizable. He's been out of the limelight. He's been a recluse for a really long time other than his aides and things, seeing him and helping him. And his businesses are still thriving, but he's a recluse. Um, he, uh, his hair and his beard have grown completely out of control. His nails are untrimmed. He had only allowed his staff, at around this time, he'd been for years, he'd only been allowing his staff to groom him once a year. And a lot of that was considered like the, the because of this condition we talked about, um, which Al- I won't Alodinia. To, yeah, Alodinia. Um, it's thought that that would have hurt him. Right. Cutting his hair would have hurt him. Okay. Um, his drug use had ravaged him. I mean, he'd been using, injecting codeine for years and years and he was on Valium and who knows what else. Um, he was, he was six foot four, uh, at his peak in his, you know, his healthy years. And he had shrunken in height and only weighed 90 pounds. Oh, jeez. He's FBI, a skeleton. He's a skeleton. Yeah. 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 Um, the FBI had to use fingerprints to ID him. Oh, wow. It's determined that some, it was determined 18 months they did an investigation. It was determined that and someone on the plane, probably, injected him needlessly with painkillers while he was comatose, thereby oh killing my gosh. him. He was malnourished, cover, but I, don't, I didn't get anything about like who anyone got in trouble for it or whatever. Right. I don't know. Maybe he had, they had directions to do it no matter what. Who knows? Who knows? This, this sounds like, uh, you know, Michael Jackson. Totally. Sounds yeah. like. He was malnourished, covered in bed sores, um, and x-rays showed broken hypodermic needles in his arms because he was using these glass uh, vials or whatever, glass, um, um, what are they called? Uh, hypodermic. Uh, well, the needle itself, hypodermic, like the, va- like the, 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 what are they called? I don't even know. A syringe? Hyper- yeah, syringe. Yeah. And the needle, but the needle would metal. So they would right. often break. Ugh. Yeah, I know. Right. Gross. Sorry. Sorry to end it like this. Well, it's not like this more. He was buried at in Houston at Glendora C- Cemetery. This is kind of little twisty twist at the end. Kind of funny. Not that this is funny per, t- right. per se, but like <laughs> this is kind of funny. A handwritten will was discovered after his death, which left $156 million um, out of his $2.5 billion in 19, what was it? 76? Jeez, that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money now. It's a lot of money then. It left uh, $156 million to uh, this guy named Melvin Dumar, a gas station owner. <laughs> when contacted, Mr. Dumar said that in 1967, he had found a disheveled, dirty man lying alongside the road. He told the man, the, uh, he was told by the man that he was Howard Hughes, and, the man, and, 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 and Melvin drove him to the Sands Hotel. DeMar said a mysterious man appeared a few days later at a gas station and gave him the handwritten letter, uh, a handwritten le- will, which uh, Dumar, Dumar, Dumar uh, brought to the local uh, Latter-day Saints church because he didn't know if it was real, didn't know what to do with it. Uh, but it was declared a forgery. Oh. So he didn't get anything. He didn't get anything. I'd like to learn a little bit more about this. Yeah, that that's like... Wait. Did he get in trouble? Did, did it actually happen? Right. It's possible. Did he make it up? Did or, he actually right. like, yeah, who knows, right? Yeah. And why 156 million? He's like, ah, that's a reasonable. Yeah. Uh, that's all I need. Yeah. 
Melvin DeMar, gas station owner, 1976. I just need one, 115 million. All I need 156 is, million to get All through. I need is this paddle, paddle game, this <laughs> lamp, and this chair, and this ashtray, and $156 Melvin million. Melvin DeMar appearing as the jerk. Right. <laughs> It's insane. Like, why hundred? Why didn't he just say like two million? Right, a million, like seven hundred thousand dollars. That would have been. Maybe that would have flown. You right. know, like what? the spruce goose. Unlike this right. one, like the spruce goose. <laughs> this was about as successful as the spruce goose. If Melvin forged this, why did he do one hundred fifty-six right. million? That's so much money. <laughs> just try to like aim low, Melvin. Million. And and if he did really get that, can you what what disappointment were you like? Oh, you I, get nothing. The hell am I gonna do this? Yeah, he could have right. gotten something. Right. So the estate was uh um eventually split. So it was it uh, after the, with the forgery, it was declared that the state was intestate, and so there was nobody. They didn't. He didn't have a will, basically. Wow. And the estate eventually split between his uh twenty three Hughes twenty three cousins. Uh, with an undisclosed amount paid to a woman named Terry Moore, who claimed she and Hughes had married in secret on a yacht in 1949 off the coast of Mes- Mexico and never divorced. But nobody ever proved one way or the other. I'm going to claim I married Elon Musk. <laughs> totally. In 1949 <laughs> on a yacht off the coast of um, Puerto Rico. Somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. It really Location's matter. not important. Yeah. Enter location. Right. Choice of location. <laughs> by judge pay by, by whomever pays me the money i have to say mark with this story that the thing that i'm most jealous of of howard hughes it's like it's not the stars it's not the women it's not any of that it's the fact that when a sign was blinking and it irritated him right he was able to just buy the entire place to take it, the sign it, down it's like really... when my neighbor's dog barks and irritates me i want to just go over yeah. and say how much for the house? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll give you a million. A million dollars. Move out and take the dog. Right now, you know, in the world, we have kids. In the world of um, kids and YouTube, a big part of what I hear a lot every day is that satisfying. They watch a video of somebody, I don't know, you know, building, doing a Legos. Like, like I don't know what it is. It's something that's very, it's glass blowing. It's something that, that sort of has a result oh, yeah. of satisfaction. Yeah. Oh, it's satisfying. That was satisfying. And, and they are satisfying. Yeah, it's like there's a beginning and an end. Yeah, and right? it's sort of yeah. like it, 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 it's boxed in. And yeah. for me, but for me, as an adult who, who, who sort of sees the world from a broader perspective, being able to buy the damn hotel next door and shut that darn light... Get that! I want to buy that dog. That would be satisfying. I want to buy the house of the guy who lives next to me with the dog barking. Right. And make him move to a place where his dog will bark in someone else's neighborhood. That's what I want to do. Yes. You know what I mean? That's what I... Those are the little things in life. That's satisfying. <laughs> the, the guy that loves to race his mufflerless car around yeah. the neighborhood mm-hmm. six times every night at 11. I want to buy his house. Yeah. And mm-hmm. tell him to get lost. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to totally. I want to use my power to get him conscripted into the navy. Right. You know, somewhere safe. Somewhere safe. Not we're gonna get send him right into the fray. Right. No. We're gonna, gonna get him out somewhere well, comfortable. You know, I would. I would even settle for. Can I just buy you a damn muffler? Yeah, I'll buy you a better car. Right. With a muffler. With a muffler. Right. Stop it. Yeah. 
there's so many things I would love to be able to just spend money on. Hey, would you, hey, listen, I'll give you $100 if I could just go in front of you in line to pay for my, like, what I'm buying. I'm buying do, a coffee. Do, you know, there there's this thing. It's uh, Fat Tuesday, you know? Yeah. Fat Tuesday. Well, in Metro Detroit, Michigan, the, the Polish community uh, uses this as an excuse to, like, eat an excessive number of really high calorie large donuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One stuffed with fruit and lemon and custard and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, Just, yeah. They're called punch, punch geese. And people wait in line for like an hour to buy these crazy donuts. And one time I waited. I was there. I was going to get donuts and take them to work with me. And the person in front of me is like, four dozen, please. They're like, on, oh, we only have three and a dozen. half dozen. And I was like, I waited forever. And the person in front of me cleaned them out. There should have been like a limit. Yeah. You can't I do know. four dozen. So, a line but if I you. was Howard Hughes, I'd have been like, here's $10,000. Yeah. I will take those three, three and yeah. a half dozen punch keys. And Actually, I, would like- I wouldn't have. I would have had someone else go and stand in line and pay. Actually, I would have had someone go there and buy the whole bakery yeah. and make all the punch keys for me. And you could go and buy that guy's business the guy the the guy uh, the guy worked at and fire him right (laughs) for being such a jerk as to buy all of the remaining i bought the whole business i fired him then i shut the business down then i shut the business down to punish (laughs) the rest of the employees who some of them may have spoken nicely to him at some point in their career written on his birthday card (laughs) have a good birthday melvin doomer good luck with that 156 million dollar will lucky you don't forget me when you're rich i think we have to go do something else we we do <laughs> but but that was awesome it was super fun i knew it was long i'm howard, sorry but howard it was good Hughes, it, you know i knew i knew he was kind of crazy yeah but he's he was really crazy he was and, really crazy. And, and it's and it's odd how that works that when you have that kind of money and power that people just kind of like let it slide and don't do anything to help you. It, it's very sad. It's very much a help. It, it's not it, on it the is. way. Whereas help could have been on the way. Yeah. But it wasn't because people are just there to like. They're, they're, they're just there. To, I yeah. mean, and I don't want to like throw everyone under the bus. People did. But at the same time, yeah, you're going to get away with being this person with a severe problem and everyone's just going to back off and go like, Hey, the checks keep coming. That's I, right. He keeps buying businesses and they keep thriving. Right. I don't know what to do. Yeah. I can't step in. So I think that that's the real core of this is that help was not on the way because for so many factors, he, he was who he was. No one could help him. Right. Well, bummer. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's go have some whiskey and sit in the hot tub. Yeah.